putting the ain't in saint, you're listening to Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show. And now here's your host, Drew Marshall. Lucky Charms. I... They're magically delicious. And I like it too. <laughs> what was that again? Irish yeah. Spring? No, that was... Manly, uh, yes, but I like yeah, it too. Yeah, yeah. What did they used to do with the Irish Spring soap? Just cut, the, cut it with cut a, a knife. Cut pen knife. Yeah, a little just, pen oh, knife. Oh, I remember doing that as a kid. Folks, you're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. It's our St. Patrick's Day special, and in true form, St. Patrick's Day was yesterday. Uh, we're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. We're on the MyJoy radio app on iTunes, on Google Play. Uh, we're across the GTA on that AM rhymed. 1250. Nicely done. And uh, Joy 1250. Why are you... T- Our interns are doing weird things in the studio. Uh, we are moving along because we're running out of time. and We've got uh, 10 butter tarts that we need to get to here. Nice. 10. Count them. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12... There's only good. 10, so yeah, you can't see that that them. Good. Anybody remember that television show, Sesame Street? No? Okay. You never wa- Oh, okay. Born into Russia, transposed into Czech, then German, introduced to Hebrew, and finally adopted by English, Elena Lappin wa- uh, has written a moving memoir on the importance of language to who we are. Listen to this. Try to process this one, Tim. All right. I'm listening. Taking its title from a question often asked of people who've lived in many countries and gather languages as they go, What Language Do I Dream In? is a stunning memoir about how language runs throughout memory and family history to form identity. Um, When asked which language is her mother tongue, uh, Lappin's answer is not so simple. She speaks Russian to her parents, Czech to her brother, her husband is Canadian, and each of her three children were born in totally different countries. I'm laughing because it sounds like some big personality disorder. It's a weird... Oh, is that not appropriate to no, say? No, no. Actually, you know, this whole thing reminds... I don't know if you've seen the movie Arrival. No. Uh, it's it. a great film, but anyways, it's uh, this translator lady. And anyway, she talks about how the language you dream in um, it really affects your personality. Right. It really speaks a lot about who you are and, and how you will function. It was just an interesting thing, and I'm interested it's, to see what Elena has to say. It's funny you bring that up, because yep. I have a question to ask her about that very thing. Uh, on the line with us, all the way from, I think, the UK, Elena Lappin. Hello, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me on your show. I am intrigued, to say the least. You are um, you are a very interesting woman, and yet, and yet, here's the thing. When it comes to writing memoirs, let me just tell you, Elena, that I, like when a 30-year-old writes a memoir, I just roll my eyes. When a 40-year-old writes a memoir, I, ro- I roll my eyes. Now that I've reached 50, I'm starting to write some of my own stuff. I'm still rolling my eyes because I think, who am I? Why would anybody be interested in what I have to say about my life? Did you struggle with writing a memoir? Um that's exactly how I felt. I say somewhere in my book that I'm actually a very reluctant memoirist. I never really wanted to write a memoir. I love other people's stories, uh, but I'm not particularly interested, never have been in my own, until um, sort of, I suppose, my middle age, and I suddenly realized that actually that the story that I do have to tell um, is potentially interesting for other people to read and also it is not just my story it is a story of many others who have been through similar experiences 
you know, moving from one country to another, yeah. acquiring various languages as you go along, and then having to define yourself um, at some point, you know, who are you, who, which is your actual identity? And so my question, the question of the title, what language do I dream in? It is what you read before. It is that, but it is also, in a way, a different question. It's a question which is um, better described as, who am I, really? Well, um, where do I come from? I'm glad you said that. So let's let's cover two things real quick off the top. These are the most simplistic questions you'll ever get. What language do you dream in, uh, <laughs> Elena Lappin? I actually dream in uh, various languages, not just one. Um, it depends on what I'm dreaming about or who I'm dreaming about. And sometimes these languages have nothing to do with the person who's actually using them in my dream. So I could be dreaming, say, about my husband, who's a Canadian and, and an whoa. English speaker, but whoa. I could, in my dream, he could be speaking Czech, which in real life he doesn't. We don't want to know about your dreams about your husband. We don't want to know <laughs> <Okay>. anything else. <laughs> Please. Um, it's not, you know, the, it, it's a great title, I think. Uh but if you take that question too seriously, it doesn't really lead too far. No, I get um, it. I get it. Okay, so let me ask you the follow-up question, which is, what are you? <laughs> I um, Can I just add to, to the issue of, of, of languages in my life? The other sort of trigger for this book was um, a different story. Uh, it was discovering in my sort of late middle age that my uh, father. No, no, no! Don't tell anyone this. Don't tell anyone this. I want to. I got a whole bit on this later. This. Oh, do you? This okay. story freaks me out. So just let's just stay with this one. Hold on a second. So what? What are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? I mean, what? What label do you put on yourself? What are you? Well, I am Jewish. From, uh, you know, as you said, born in Russia, raised in uh, Czechoslovakia at the time, and then I lived in Germany where I never felt at home. Then I lived in, then I moved to Israel, um, which definitely became a home. And then I lived in Canada, uh, having married a Canadian husband. We lived in Canada for a while. We moved back to Israel, and then we moved to America, and then we moved to London, which is where I am now and have lived for, you know, longer than absolutely anywhere else. So this is definitely home. Okay, so I guess the real, the heart of the issue for me, Elena, is why on earth would you marry a Canadian? What is wrong with you? He's really cute. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay, so sitting in the kitchen, you receive an anonymous call from this Russian guy who told you that your father was not your father, right? He says, is this... Is this now? He call you Liana, right? Is that how you say? Yes. It? Yeah. Yes. Is, is yes. this Liana? It, it, yes. Uh, is your health good? Yes. Now, first of all, if someone starts off a phone call like that, you know, is this Liana? Yes. You understand that? But then they say, "Is your health good?" I'm sorry. But that's when I hang up. Why did you stay on the line when some whack job says, "Is your health good?" You don't know who this is. He didn't sound like a whack job. He sounded, and it wasn't entirely anonymous. He sounded like someone who really had something important to tell me. I could tell from his voice that it had that kind of earnestness and that kind of sort of intensity that felt very real. He was really moved. I could sense that he was moved by the fact that he finally had me on the line, that he could hear my voice. And um, what he was saying was very interesting because as soon as he mentioned the name of my biological grandfather, you know, which was 
you know, means to me. But actually, when he said that name, it wasn't unfamiliar to me because I had just read a book um, um, which was a biography of Whitaker Chambers by Sam Tannenhaus, and my grandfather actually uh, appears in it. So I was familiar with that name. It was a real name. It's part of history. I knew who that person was. Of course, I never had any inkling that I could have a family relation to him. But what this man was saying didn't sound crazy. It just sounded extremely interesting. And in a way, deep down, it um, hit a nerve. And I felt that something kind of fell into place and that I wanted to know more. <sighs> okay. I'm still, I'm still really perplexed as to why it felt true. I cannot explain that uh, because nothing in my uh, immediate family history could possibly indicate that that could have happened in my life because my family was always, you know, just a regular family. My father is my father. My mother, is, you know, is you know was always with him. I never knew that she had a history before she married my father, and that history suddenly came sort of bubbling up to the surface and you know that was very interesting but there is another reason why something like this can feel true uh, rather than you know nonsense um made up by uh, a crazy person Mm -hmm. far away um i think sometimes we live with things without knowing what they are we we can be aware of maybe a secret in the family or a silence in the family something unsaid not spoken about, but we don't know what it is. But because we are in some way psychologically aware of it, emotionally aware of it, when it is suddenly revealed, it feels right. And that's how this felt. Okay, so you get this big... I'm sorry, but this obviously, this is like the weirdest part of your whole deal, right? I mean, this is just insane. This is so Jerry Springer. I don't know if you know that show, but it's... Yes, of course. Um, So... What did you do with this new information? Did you call your mother? Did you call your brother, Maxim? By the way, I, I know one other Maxim. Uh, that is the son of Candace and Val Bure. Valerie Bure played in the NHL. His, fa- his father. His brother is is Pavel Bure. And, they, and so Candace played DJ on a television show called Full House. And they have a son named Maxim. And now this is the second Maxim that I have heard of. And I'm so excited that I know this name. So anyway. <laughs> So did you call your mother or your brother, or who did you call? Well, first I called my mother. And because as soon as I told her that I just received this phone call, she didn't say anything. She was just silent. I realized that it must be true. Uh, Because otherwise she would have immediately laughed or, you know, laughed it off or just, you know, said nonsense and moved on or talked about something else. But she was actually silent. And so I knew... Um, that something uh, actually happened here. Um, And then she said, yes, it's true, and let me talk to your father, meaning, you know, the father I grew up with. And so she did, and there was a period when, there was a moment when, you know, we hung up and she was talking to my father on the phone, and at that moment I called my brother. And my father was actually visiting him at the time. So he was kind of in the background. I could hear him talking to my mother on his mobile phone. So I said to my brother, what just happened? You know, I told him what just happened, and I, 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 you know, I told him what, what I just heard. And what did he say? And he said, because he just had an argument with my father, he said, why are you so lucky? 
<laughs> nice. Uh, but then he said something more um, relevant. He said, are you okay? Because he was immediately concerned about, you know, how this affected me and how it would continue to affect me. He understood immediately that this was a very big deal emotionally. And I don't think that's something that my parents ever understood. I think it was something that they, you know, knew and felt they had to deal with and talk about for a while. But my brother was the only one who really understood that this was something that would really change my life in some way, mm. you know, and that I would have to, um, you know, uh, understand it. All right. So let's let, I want to leave the story right there because there's so much that unfolds in yeah. the book. And that's the whole point of this interview is to get people hooked on the book. What language do I dream in? Elena Lappin on the phone with us. Um, you speak five different languages, true? Mm-hmm. Actually, six. Oh, okay, braggy yeah. pants. Jeez. <laughs> A pig Latin doesn't count, though, okay? Um, so why does, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but English feels like home. Is that right? Yeah. Why does English feel like home? I mean, why do you dream in English? You know, is it because you're a writer and you know that English books sell more? Or is it because uh, English became your language during your early 20s, which I think is an age that we all think we still are as we grow up? Yeah, I mean, English became my language as a writer at some point. It was something that, you know, I always wanted to be a writer, but Czech would have been that language. I would have become a writer in Czech had my life you know, not been sort of cut into two by emigration. Um, and I felt for many years that I didn't have a language to in which I could be a writer. Um, so when English came along, um, after a while, not immediately, but after a while, I realized that English was exactly the kind of language that I was looking for, you know, with a, with a kind of lightness and, 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 uh, and irony and humor and uh, incredible flexibility. Um, which kind of reminded me of Czech in that way. Mm. And I felt at home in that, and I just realized one day that, yes, I can do this. I can do it in English, and I want to, and it felt wonderful. It felt like being born again in a way. Whoa, don't use big spiritual yeah. terms oh, like ooh, that. That freaks us show. out. Yeah. Born again. Born again as Whoa. a writer. Oh, born okay. Born again as a writer. All right, scared us. We are on the line with uh, someone who speaks 17 different languages, ladies and gentlemen. 17. I didn't even know there were that, there were, there were that many languages. Uh, Elena Lappin joins us. Elena, um, what... what can, co- I, can I just interrupt you there? Sorry. What did, I, what did, did I do something wrong? Yes, that was fake news. I speak six <laughs> languages. <not laughs> fake news. I like her. She is a <laughs> cheeky little... Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> You threw me off my game. I was all professional there. Now you got funnier than I did. That's not cool. Okay, so Elena, seriously, what? Seriously, now, just dial it down a little bit. What common ground will your story have with the average person? Because your story is not an average story. Well, it is and it isn't. I think in every family there is something hidden, some secret, something that people don't talk about that is revealed at some point, or maybe not, uh, but people sense that it is there. So partly my book is about how to live and how to deal with um, that sort of secrecy and how to um, continue your life once you've discovered something that was never a part of it initially. So I don't think that's an unusual experience. Um, I also think the experience of wandering, migrating, 
you know, uh, moving from country to country, um, becoming uh, an emigre or a refugee and uh, seeking asylum in a new culture. Um, in, in my case, I moved from several countries into, you know, a few others, but some people just moved from one to another. Uh, Canada is certainly a country where, um, you know, people have um, moved to arrive from so many different cultures and found um, a, a great home. Um, but what actually happens when you do that? What hap- language is language is what you can see on the surface. It is the sort of combination of your history, your personal history, your family history. It affects everything you do. It defines who you are. Um, but it's only one of those aspects. Um, making a home in a new culture is a very, very tough thing to do and it is different for parents and it's different for children each generation deals with it in a different way and in my book I show how my grandparents how my parents how um, my brother and myself and um, other people of different ages have um, taken that on as a challenge and I think it's a very positive book so although it's a difficult task sometimes and definitely a challenge the way I see it, it's it's an amazing opportunity to really um, find a fresh start uh, wherever you go and find a home if you want to um, in a way that suits you and where you can really um, be who you are. Um, so I don't believe in the kind of assimilation that takes away who you are yeah. and, and makes you sort of strip your, um, um, makes you basically negate your, your essence and your core, um, I believe in remaining who you are, but at the same time, um, finding a way of connecting with your new environment. And that's what I've done, and that's what my parents have done uh, multiple times. And I think that is, especially today, um, uh, something that people may want to read about. Uh, do you take on a slightly different persona in each language? Like, which is your angry language? Um, I think my best angry per- language is actually Hebrew. Hebrew. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because it's very easy to get really temperamental in Hebrew. It is. It is. Yes. I was I was in Israel for a month filming a television show, and they they thought I would fit in quite well over there because they they called me um, a cactus. I don't know what the Hebrew is for cactus, but they said you know you're. You you come across prickly on the outside, but you're just mushy on the inside. That's sabra. You mean sabra? That's it. Yeah. Um, what's your funny language when you want to be funny? Well, Czech or English, definitely. Yeah. Czech or English, and if I want to be, um, I don't really. I mean, Russian is only the language that I use to, to communicate with my parents and to read, you know, great literature. Yeah. Uh, but I don't feel that it's my language. Czech is definitely my language, and it is the. the I think it's the funniest language I know. Do you? Did you read much uh, Dostoevsky? Yeah, of course. Of course. Why did I even ask <laughs> that? Why, what, what are you an idiot? Of course I did. Okay. Um, what's your cordial language? What's your tea sipping language? Tea sipping. Yep. When you're sitting uh, with the ladies sipping red rose tea, only in Canada, eh? Pity. Probably English. English, yeah, yeah. What's what if you had if you were in a like if you had last words? Let's say you did something really bad, Elena, and you're going to okay. get executed. What language would you speak before you died? Mm, 
today it would be English. Yeah. Hmm. Unless, unless, unless I needed like a secret language to express something kind of secretly that something that my, um, you know, executive would not understand. Yeah. Uh, so I would do that in Czech. I like that. I like that. Um, okay. I, I, um, I guess I, I there's there's a part of you that I really I, I don't know how it fits in with the story. We're Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show, and would you say that you are uh, Jewish or Jewish? No, I'm completely Jewish. And so th- your faith plays a big role in your life. True. In what way? Well, you know, what role does faith play in your life? Well, I'm not a religious person, but I'm very committed to my Judaism and to Jewish history, Jewish tradition, and, you know, the Jewish people is my people. Yeah. It's such... That's how I see it. Well, and I was going to say, this is where I was going with this, that's another identity for you. It's not just a language, it's yet another identity, is it not? It is actually, it is actually my core identity. So I am Jewish wherever I am, you know. I I was born Jewish in Russia, and I was Jewish in uh, Czechoslovakia, and I was Jewish in Germany, and I was Jewish in, and I am Jewish in England, and I obviously was Jewish in Israel. But um, it's very interesting how that Jewishness, is perceived differently in each of those environments. So I would say that while I was living in Germany, so I came to Germany as a teenager, and I became acutely aware of my Jewishness there because of German history um, and the history of the Holocaust in that country. I could never forget it. I mean, literally every single day was a reminder of that history, and that was only because I was Jewish, and I am Jewish. What is the most fascinating and riveting interview you've ever been a part of? In other words, who was the best person to interview you? <laughs> definitely Joe <definitely> Marshall. <laughs> wow. uh, Remember, uh, she's speaking in her funny language. Oh, yeah, that's her funny language, yes. Her, her sarcastic language. Um, so you married a Canadian because he was cute, but what do you think of Canadians? Because we ain't all cute. You know what I'm saying? Well, he's not just cute. He's, he's great. He's very smart. And um, But what do you think of Canadians? What do I think of Canadians? I love Canadians. That's the truth. You just I want think. us to buy your book. Come on. I used, to, I used to live in Ottawa, as you know, from my book. Yes. And uh, I, except for the for the weather, I had a fantastic time. I really loved it. Would you recommend all women from other countries travel to Canada to find a cute, a cute Canadian boy to fall in love with? Yes, except they can also find Canadians everywhere. Canadians themselves travel a lot, so... <laughs> If you yeah. can find a Canadian abroad, that that's okay too. If, if you, I'm sorry. Did you say? Did she say a Canadian abroad? No. She, if you can find a Canadian abroad. Oh, abroad. Sorry. No. Sorry. I would they, they? You can play that both ways. They're both ways. Yep. Yeah. So to speak. <laughs> oh, you are too fun. Well, listen. I I love it when somebody writes memoirs who can actually write because so many memoirs uh, just need to be pitched in the garbage. One of the best I've ever read was Stings. And the, the reason I enjoyed it so much is because I had to right-click on the words and find out exactly what they meant. Uh, he was just, he was, he was such an eloquent writer. But I think he wore, th- he just ripped through the thesaurus when he when he wrote this book. He just picked the, the hardest words to understand. Your book is so readable, so palatable, and so digestible, and it has pictures. That helps me. Oh, sweet. Yes. Thank you. The pictures are actually... A part of the narrative, uh, so they're not the usual sort of biography pictures with captions, no. um, but actually they are real photographs from my life. Um, 
but they are inserted in the text as part of the narrative. So as you read and that picture appears, it has always something to do with um, what you've just been reading or are about to read. Brilliant. Elena Lappin, she is the author of What Language Do I Dream In? A Memoir. What a pleasure to chat with you. We are giving away a copy of this book. And uh, I know you're all excited to win free stuff because that's such a Canadian thing. I mean, it really is. That's why we have Roll Up the Rim to Win here in our Tim yes. Hortons Cups. You know what I mean? But if you go to our uh, our Facebook page, we're giving away a copy of today's HarperCollins Canada book to one of our Facebook followers. If there's a catch, you've got to be one of our Facebook followers. Duh. And from Canada because we ain't mailing it anywhere else. I think I've said ain't twice during this interview, and it's not a classy word to use no, it's with, not. with it such a classy it lady. It ain't a classy word. No. Uh, so send us a private message on the Drew Marshall Show Facebook page, and you could win a copy of today's book from HarperCollins Canada. Elena, you have been just a treat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You have to double bye over in the UK. Everyone says that? that. I don't know. Right. Bye. But that's Scottish. Right. It's just once. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. I woke up, I was all alone With a broken heart and a ticket home